Welcome to this edition of DCS Talks, a podcast production of the Tennessee Department of Children's Services. The intention of DCS Talks is to promote dialogue among child welfare professionals, foster parents, and the entire community about ways to prevent child abuse and neglect. My name is Kate Greer, and I am a director with the Office of Training and Professional Development for the Department of Children's Services. Today, I'm speaking with Dale Lynn, who supervises a Child Protective Services unit within the department. Dale, would you tell us a little bit about your DCS and child welfare experience? Yes, and thanks for having me today. Um, I've been with uh, Child Protective Services for 10 years, doing both investigations um, on in the field and as a supervisor. Prior to coming to DCS, I worked for a, a private provider doing in-home counseling for at-risk children and teens. Okay, that sounds great. So about how many years have you had working in child welfare? Uh, approximately 17. Wow, okay. That's a long time, and I know that you bring a lot of great experience to this department and to your position, and, and uh, I appreciate you being here today, too. I wanted to talk a little bit today about the importance of doing history searches in regard to Child Protective Services cases, for instance, when a referral comes in, and yet staying aware of unconscious bias and being able to take the information that is looked up in history searches and apply it appropriately. So what I'd like to hear a little bit about, I guess, first is the importance of doing history searches when we receive a referral on a family. Sure. Uh, I think it's important to note that the Department of Children's Services utilizes one system that compiles all the data, all the intakes, all the allegations of abuse and neglect. So everything is in one program, which allows us the ability to do history searches so that anytime we get a new referral, we are able to go ahead and look back to see if there's been previous cases for the family and what was entailed in those cases. And one of the most important tasks for an investigator or any staff to do is to do the history search. That gives us the ability and opportunity to look to see if the current allegations have already been investigated, if we've had allegations of these types before, if and really what that family dynamic looks like currently. We also have the ability in our system to mark if there's risks involved with the family, if maybe the family has uh, guns in the home, or if there's a history of domestic violence, even something like dogs that may not be friendly. So it's really important for, for staff is one of their first steps when they get a new referral is to go ahead back and look at that history for that family. Okay, so what it sounds like is that it is information gathering, but it kind of sounds like it's a, a safety measure as well. I noticed you talked about that it can be marked in the system if there are hazards, and I would assume that that is probably in place to try to protect our staff. Absolutely. We don't want our staff to go into situations unaware of potential dangers. We are fortunate enough to have really good relationships with community partners. If we have situations where there may be risk factors involved, we can look at possibly taking police with us or law enforcement just to make sure that there's no safety factors or safety risks involved with the family. Okay, great. Are you also able to check to see if information that you have on your referral is correct? If it, for instance, matches where 
we understand a family or school or that kind of thing to be. We absolutely do. Many times we'll get a referral that may just list one child, but when we go and look at our history, the family may have two or three other children so that we're aware of those other children and make sure that we're able to see all the children in the home and assess their, their safety as well. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. I, I guess what I'd like to explore a little bit further is when, let's say, a caseworker looks up a history on a family, how do you as a supervisor help our staff balance the gathering information to keep themselves safe and to learn information about the family and yet not have some sort of preconceived notion based on history that the department may have had with them? That is a very difficult line to draw sometimes. It's something that I think caseworkers and supervisors struggle with every day, that you see a referral that comes in and you look at the history history and you can already start to formulate uh, preconceived notions that, yeah, this is probably true or looking at the history, this is probably occurring and going on with the family. As a supervisor, having conversations with the staff that while this may have happened in the past, families do have the ability to change and we need to go in aware of what may have occurred in the past trying to look at it through a fresh set of eyes because every caseworker, every investigator looks at things through their own lens and their own perspective and their own life experience. Okay, that, that makes sense. And I would think that most people who are in child welfare have to believe in people's ability to change. Absolutely. And making sure that that is in the forefront of their thought processes when they go to the home or interview the children and interview the parents is making sure that we gather the information, gather the evidence to, to have a good, clear picture a snapshot of what's going on with the family today, not what may have been going on a year, two, three years ago. Okay. Let me ask you about this. Talk a little bit about the importance of BCS staff kind of not prejudging situations and making sure that we have an open mind anytime that we receive a referral. Do you feel like it's important for the family to potentially try to do the same in their thinking? I think that may be one of the biggest stumbling blocks that we have when we're investigating abuse and neglect is if the family has had previous caseworkers, previous Child Protective Services cases on them, they may already have, from their perspective, a notion of how DCS quote unquote works and what we do and things like that. And when you're looking at having those walls already in place with families, even though this is a new caseworker, a new set of allegations, overcoming that and really, really talking openly with the family about that and their previous experiences with the department is going to be important to engage the family and be able to, to truly assess what's going on with them at this time. Okay. And, you know, I, I've been with the Department of Children's Services for many years myself. And in my experience, unfortunately, sometimes our reputation in the community is not really what we intend. I don't know that, that everyone really knows all the time that we want to keep children safe and with their families at any and all times we're able to do that. There have been 
instances when I was a caseworker working in the field where whenever I was interviewing children, one of the first things that I would do to try to engage the child is ask them if they've heard of DCS and what DCS does. And it was shocking and disheartening how many times I heard children say that DCS takes children from their families as if that's all that we do and, and trying to overcome that even with children to talk about that our job is to make sure that they're safe at home, at school, and wherever they're at, and with the people that they spend time with, and really working on making sure that even the children know that my job is just to make sure that they're safe. And trying to encapsulate that with the parents and bring that back to them when they've had previous experience. And, th- and there may have been times when in the past their children may have been removed from that and they've done what they've needed to do to have the children return to them safely. Being able to overcome that and really make sure that they understand that while we understand the history and what may have occurred, all we're looking at really is what's going on today. Are the children safe? And is there anything that we can do to help the children and family continue to succeed. And I think that you speak to something that that we sometimes run into as a challenge. I think you make a good point because one of the things that we want to try to do with families is demonstrate empathy and genuineness and respect. And it's a little hard to do that if people have preconceived notions. You mentioned that sometimes children have been removed before and sometimes that that's been necessary but if we have contact with them again i think it would be understandable for children or family to potentially have some concerns about our involvement and sometimes we probably have a little bit to overcome to try to help them understand that what we really want to do is help people and and i i totally agree with that it's it's a it's a situation where and and I believe that it would be normal for for any person who has children that the Department of Children's Services comes knocking at your door, your immediate reaction, there's going to be some fear and some concern and worry. Um, for these families that have had previous experience with the department, and that that's going to be heightened five or tenfold and Again, if you look at the families that have had their children removed and have gotten them back, it almost becomes that fight or flight mode where their main concern is around them losing their children and looking. And when we speak with them, them trying to answer questions through a lens of they're not trying to help me. I need to do what I can do to keep my kids safe. And it's a very, very difficult wall to break through sometimes. How do you sort of help workers work through or overcome some, if they have any, preconceived notions about working with families? Well, and and I think if we're going to speak honestly about it, I, I think that any person who does this job comes into the job with their own biases, their own values, their own moral compass. And making sure that we discuss those openly is of vital importance. I think that the department has done very well with really outlining what constitutes abuse and neglect and having conversations with staff that, for example, they do a home visit and come and staff the case with me afterwards. They say the house is dirty. Well, it doesn't mean anything to me. So really digging and exploring that and identifying what the definitions are for them of dirty and tying, trying to tie everything back into how does it affect the safety of the child and 
potential risk factors for the child. Okay, that that makes sense. And I feel like you know one of the most important things that we can do while working for the Department of Children's Services is to be evidence based, and that maybe sometimes that helps steer away from some uh, some sort of thinking that may not be based on evidence. Absolutely, and, and I think it's something that the department is, is constantly looking at and making sure that we have as clear guidelines as, as we can have outlining what constitutes physical abuse or environmental neglect and things like that. And even within those, there's only, there's only so far that the department can go. And that's where it falls back, I think, on the caseworker and the supervisor to really be able to explore those kind of gray areas that exist and trying to get the caseworker to present evidence that I feel the child is in is unsafe because of these facts as opposed to the house is dirty. So really coming into these discussions with the staff, being prepared to have those difficult conversations sometimes around where the caseworker is coming from where their perspective is and where their potential biases may be. That, that makes a lot of sense. And I think for us to build relationships in the community in which we can genuinely help people, which is what we genuinely want to do, it sometimes takes some trust on both sides. And building that trust is a big responsibility that we have in working with the community, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. It, it's one of the, I think one of the most important things that the department can do on ground level, let's say, with the caseworkers and their supervisors, it's really consistency. That's what our families need. That's what our community partners need, is that we need to be consistent in what we're doing when we interact with families and making sure that we're evidence-based and really having all of our decisions be, be grounded in that evidence really helps to alleviate the potential unconscious bias that we have that we may have or looking at the DCS history and going this is the eighth time we've had environmental neglect for this family this house is going to be nasty and making sure that we kind of check that at the door and go in and while we're aware of potential hazards and potential problems that we're looking at it through that fresh set of eyes and gathering evidence one way or the other for the whatever the allegation may be. Not just looking for evidence to support the allegation, but really looking at what the family has to offer, what the family is saying, what what we are seeing in as evidence to either support or not support the allegation. So would you say it's kind of letting the family tell their story for where they are at the point that we meet them? I believe that this is something that, that the department has recognized in the past, to be honest, has been an issue. And it's something that we've been working very hard and diligently over the past few years to address. And, and uh, our terminology for it is globally assessing or a global assessment, where we really sit down and talk with the family, not only about the allegations, but really about all the things that are going on in their life. We may have an allegation of physical abuse, but we're going to talk with the family about parents' financial stability, any past trauma they may have, any possible mental health issues. We're going to ask them about their natural support network. We're going to look at we're going to look at all of those things and not just what the allegation is. We don't want to go in with the blinders on that 
we are just looking at one thing and one thing only. We want to look at the whole situation and what's going on as a whole because that's going to be able to help us to better assist and support the family in identifying services, identifying the things that are going to be needed to not only address any potential risk factors that are occurring now, but looking towards the future, we may be able to help the family now to eliminate potential intakes a year, two years, five years down the, down the line. I would think it's ideal, actually, if we can assist people in helping themselves and or not being dependent on the department, my guess is being proactive and empowering families is what we really want to do. And I think I will, I'm going to speak for everyone who does child protective services. Every one of us would love to be out of a job because there is no more child abuse. So if we can put in the effort at the beginning, our contact with the family to alleviate potential referrals in the future and help the family to be more self-sufficient and to utilize the supports that are available to them prior to there being future allegations. Having families able to get counseling for themselves to address anger issues before that may lead to uh, physical abuse allegations. That would be an ideal situation, and it would really cut back on the number of future intakes we're going to get on the family. I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think that this helped clarify that although maybe sometimes the department is not seen primarily as trying to help people, I think that that really is what the department is trying to do and that conversations like this can potentially help clarify some of that. I would hope so. And I think that especially in in a conversation like this where we're talking about unconscious bias, that discussing how evidence-based we are and pretty strict guidelines that we have to follow regarding allegations of abuse and neglect is really important in today's time with the upheaval that's going on regarding racial relations and all the things that's going that is occurring throughout this country we here in Tennessee don't we don't live in a bubble so what happens in Connecticut or Arizona or Florida or California does affect us here and it's something that we need to be cognizant of and make sure that we're putting it into practice and making it a forethought for us to make sure that we are doing everything that we can do to be as really fair with families and as evidence-based and equitable with everyone we come into contact with. To summarize, would you say that it's important for us to know history such that there may be factual information that would be helpful, but equally as important for us to understand that families change and for us to want to assist them and not think that we have things figured out before we meet with them. That is one of the goals that, that I think we need to continue to strive for. And I think it's something that is truly important in our interactions with families. So yes, that is an absolutely true statement. Well, Dale, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a really informative conversation. Thank you also for your time with the department and your commitment to children and families within the community. And thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, listener, for joining us for this edition of DCS Talks. Please listen again to hear other subject matter experts discuss ways to advocate for children and build resilient communities.